would you be if it wasn't for Jesus? Let alone the preacher that told you about Jesus Christ. Amen. I remember Paul, he said, uh, he said that to Philemon. He said, you owe me. Beseeching him for Onesimus, he says, you owe me this. I'm the one who led you to the Lord. I mean, I know some of these kids in here, their parents led them to the Lord, but who was the preacher or the wife or the mom or the dad that led you to the Lord? Amen. That's over there at Rocco's church. is just a, it's a blessing to go preach for a guy who's had a big part and uh, lead me to the Lord. And just being a blessing to him, he's in a very small church, but it's the, one of the coolest churches I've ever got to preach in. It's, it's a, it could be on a historical site. He's got one of those, it's like a little house on the prairie. It's what it looks like with a modern addition to the back of it. It's all out of block, but it's got the big bell, you know, one of those huge bells, you bong, you know, and the, hear it from miles away. It's, it's pretty neat. So it was a blessing just to go up there and be a blessing to somebody. So, uh, I mean, hope to be a blessing to you tonight. I heard somebody say a couple people that they've taken naps. So this is not the message. If you took a nap before the service and I'm going to apologize now, this is preaching about a guy or just teach, try to, you know, on a guy who took a nap when he should have been telling some people about the Lord. Amen. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for your book. Lord, I thank you for conviction and comfort, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, for just chasing us, Lord, when we need it, Lord, and loving us even more. Father, thank you for your word. And I pray you just do a mighty work in our hearts tonight. Lord, thank you for this book. And thank you for everybody here. And Lord, just bless this time we have together. In Jesus' name, amen. Book of Jonah, if you would. You know, I I don't think I've ever went through a book verse by verse. And uh, now that I have, it's it's rather convicting. You read it through rather fast. The pastor's nodding. Yeah. You read it through rather fast. And sometimes I like to take that time to imagine. But when you start breaking it down and you, you really get yourself into there, I mean, Jonah was a slouch. And reading this, I, I, I realize I was, I've been a slouch. Amen. It's convicting. The world out there dying, going to hell, and, and I'm just sleeping it away. Woe unto me. Amen. Book of Jonah. It says, verse number one, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for the wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like, like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth wares that were in the ship into the sea and lighten it of them, to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down in the sides of the ship, and he lay fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they cried, One of his fellows, Come and let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Now, we kind of left off there in verse number four, but you know what? I, I had this thought, you know, God is like the great weatherman. Amen. I can't remember. I was, I was trying to think when has been the last time you can remember we've had this many consecutive, beautiful days in a row. I mean, we're, go, we're getting ready to go into September and it's like tomorrow it's going to be 90 some degrees. You know what I mean? It's like crazy. And I, I remember thinking back and I think we, what, about 10 some years ago? We was up hunting with the Aldridges. And the Aldridges told us, I'm not throwing them under the bus here. They said, you got to dress warm, it's going to snow, you know. But we get up there to the Blue Mountains, and it was like 70, 80 degrees in the middle of October. And I'm wearing Rivers West. <laughs> that was my camos. I don't know if you've ever wore those before, but they don't let any water out. They make you sweat. They keep you warm. And when you're, it's 80 degrees outside and you're wearing Rivers West, you're going to sweat. <laughs> And I just remember going, man, it, and it was nice. It wasn't snowing, but it was nice like it was now. But I think as I like this verse. Turn over there to Joshua. 
I like reading through where Joshua and all these battles he had to go through. This one's always stood out to me to be the most... It's just stood out to me. Joshua chapter number 6. God fighting a victory for him. And God using the weather. Joshua chapter number 6. That's not right. Joshua chapter number, I pardon. Joshua chapter number 10, I apologize. Joshua chapter number 10. And in verse number 6, and it says, And the men of Gibeon said unto Joshua to the camp of Gilgal, saying, Slack not thy hand from thy servants. Come up, come up to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings and the Amorites that dwell in the mountains are gathered together against us. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into thine hand. There shall not a man of them stand before thee. Joshua therefore came unto them suddenly. I like that. He just can't, he just, you know, I'm here. You know what I mean? I'm here to fight. And went from Gilgal that all night, and the Lord discomfited them before Israel, and on, and slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, and chased them along the way that goeth up to Bethron, and smote them from Azekah and Makeda. And it came to pass, it's like this, and it came to pass as they fled from before Israel and were going down to Bethron that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them unto Azekah. And they died. They were more which died with hailstones than they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. I mean, can you imagine seeing that? I mean, you're going to a fight and nothing's hitting you. But giant hailstones are just smashing people to death. I mean, I know I added that to death in there, but that's to slew them. <laughs> you know, I apologize, but that's what the Bible almost says. <laughs> but it's great. God had this in control, and God, you know what? Don't worry about it. I'm just gonna, and you're just like, yeah. Then, then verse number twelve. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand now still unto Gibeon, and now the moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Asher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven, and hasted not to go down about that whole day. And there was no day like that before it or after that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man. I like that. I think of Elijah to stop in the rain. I had a time like that, and I wouldn't, I'm not trying to claim to be an Elijah, but I had a time like that where I got mocked. I was, and this happened right over here in, in Ridgefield, and I probably shared this with you before, but we had one day to get this chimney done, and we get outside, and it's normal northwest weather, overcast, raining, misty, and you've got to do a chimney on top of the house. And they came out, and I get out of my car, and we're going to work, and this guy named Russell, he just called me out on it. He said, well, you better pray to your God, Mike, because we got this day to get it done. <laughs> Man, I'm calling you out, oh sleeper. I'm calling you out, oh sleeper. So I prayed. Lord, I pray, Lord, you can just get us through this day, Lord, and I just need to get this chimney done so we can get on to the next job. Lord, will you please just help us to get this job done? <laughs> and we're up there laying brick. And I'm getting, actually, I'm, I'm packing hard for these guys so we can go faster for Lauren and uh, Russell. And, uh, man, I look over and I get to call them on it now. Cause we're out there and he's got 20 some acres and I'm looking out there and I'm telling you from here to 25 yards out there, it's raining. And I can see the rain coming down in his field. And I called them on it. I says, you see how it's raining over there? But it ain't raining right here. And they're just all. Laying brick like, you're, you're right. And I tell you what, it was, I mean, it, we literally got it done. We struck it up. We put the mutual bag over the top of it and it went, boosh. And then I was like, you just waited another hour. Now I got to clean this whole roof up. You know, you know how it is. 
But I mean, I look back on it now and I'm just... They're going to have to answer for that. You remember when you called them on that? Where's our faith? Where's our believing like Mike was talking about? Amen. Just believing. God can do it. Man, over there in Mark. Turn over there in Mark real quick. I like this. Mark chapter number 4. Kind of like a... Man, we'll just read it. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4 and in verse number 35. This is Jesus stills the storm. It says, And the same day when even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when he sent them away, the, and when they had sent away the multitude, they, they took him even as he went in the ship. And there was also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind, and he said unto them, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? It's because it's God. Amen. Now, I heard one preacher say this before. He said the reason he rebuked it was it was, it was the devil might have done that. The devil might have cast that because the devil's got power to do that too. Read over there in Job. He said fire came down from heaven, killed off those people. Wind came, killed your sons. He rebuked that wind. I said, oh, something there. I don't know where he's going. It sounded good. Rebuked it. But I'm sure thankful for the Lord, you know. We go back to the book of Jonah again. It says, so the ship, verse number four, was like to be broke. That's a good picture of God's grace and His mercy. And there's no vessel so secure that can protect us from when we have forsaken the right ways of God. You just ain't going to be safe. All right, this storm is a picture of removing all that peace when you've disobeyed the Lord. You're just in those rough seas and you're tossed to and fro. The ship's likely to be broke. And you've seen it in people's lives. It's happened in my life. You're just disobedient. Turn over their book, Isaiah. There are great verses right here. Book Isaiah, chapter number 57. It says in verse number 20, But the wicked are like troubled sea, like the troubled sea, when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God to the wicked. You know what? This is the condition of everyone that's in rebellion to God. Just wicked. Cast their own ways. You know what? And Jonah's going to Figure this out. He's going to have a hard journey this way. Look at verse number 5 in Jonah. It says, Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God. You know what I found out in this thing? Actually, I think the, the military found it out long before I did. There's no atheists in the foxhole. You've been working around lost people. You get around lost people and the, and the lottery starts getting up there. You know, you'll hear them saying, Oh, I've been praying. <laughs> oh, you have, huh? <laughs> you know, I've heard, I mean, 
But I worked for a clinger mason. We, they hired out of the prisons, you know what I mean? We had all kinds of people. And the stuff they say, I mean, you got to cover your ears half the time, but every now and then there's one, you know, I see the cop and I didn't even have my license. And, oh, I started praying to God and man, I made it here. Here's <laughs> all. Praise the Lord. You know, <laughs> glad to have you here. I need, give me some mud, you know, but, but they got a knowledge. They got a knowledge, but they ain't believing yet. There ain't no atheists, you know what I mean? That Bible says, look at John chapter 1. I like this. I know I say that a lot. I like this whole book. John chapter 1, very important verse. John chapter 1. In verse number 6, it says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of the light that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Every man that cometh into the world knows there's a God. Doesn't mean they believed on Him. But they know there, he's a, there's a God. That's what Romans says. But and then look down at number number twelve. But as many has received him, see that's part of the problem. They ain't been told about him yet. They ain't received him. I haven't received Christ as my Savior. That's the main problem. It's the world's problem. If everybody had Jesus in their heart, this, I mean, we, it'd be a lot better. <laughs> it'd be a lot better. We still have some problems. Amen. We still have to go to that book all the time. That's what we need to do. But that would, you know, that true light, that which cometh into the world, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. You know this thing. I remember when my buddy Eli, I probably shouldn't use names, but anyhow, his daughter one time, he says, uh, he was trying to tell her about the Lord. And she was like three years old. And she, this is what she said to him. He came in, he couldn't wait to tell me this when I got to work. He goes, you know what she said? I go, what'd she say? He goes, I forget how he said it now. He said, oh yeah, I was, I was with him before I came here. <laughs> Little kid. Oh, I know God. I was with him before I came here. <laughs> Out of the mouth of a babe, you know, and I think she was younger, like two or something. And he wrote, wrote that back in the womb I knew thee before that I knew thee. You know what I mean? I don't know how that worked, but it's until this world starts taking a toll on people, you know what I mean? And that train, they get hooked on a different train and start going down a different track. And they didn't train up that child in the way he should go. Am I making sense? <clears throat> Everyone knows. Turn over there to Romans chapter number one. I know it's very popular, but we're going to go there anyway. Romans chapter 1. Shouldn't get tired of old passages if they get repeated. Amen? I'm not tired of the old cross. I'm not tired of Jesus dying for my sins. I'm not tired of this book. It's, it was a hard message. It's a hard message for me as a preacher. You know, old sleeper. Romans chapter 1, verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. That's the context of what these next verse, people that are holding the truth in unrighteousness. Because they that which have known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. They'll acknowledge, man, there's got to be something. But do they know whom they have believed? Are they persuaded? Like Paul says that in Romans chapter 8, I think verse 39 and 39, For I am persuaded that nothing shall separate us from the love of Christ, which is in Christ Jesus. Depths, heights, nor depths, perils, I forget it all. Nothing. Nothing. 
Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man into birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. And lighteth every man. Everyone knows there's a God. When you're in trouble like that, people cry out to him. Oh my God! <laughs> what? I thought you were an atheist. <laughs> and it just come out. It just comes out. Look over there to Habakkuk. Habakkuk. That is uh and what they worship, what they'll call upon, what they sacrifice unto, what they give their time to. Habakkuk chapter one and verse number fifteen says They take up all of them with the angle. They catch them in their net and they gather them in their drag. Therefore, they rejoice and are glad. Therefore, they sacrifice under their net and burn incense unto their drag because by their portion is fat and their meat plenteous. You know what? They're giving God the credit. People do that, especially fishermen. I mean... I like to watch, I mean, I'm just going to, you ever watch the world's deadliest catch? It's a pretty, I don't ever want to do that. They go out there on these huge boats, not like this little teeny boat Jonah's on or the ones that are Paul's on. Ain't one of these little teeny ships that weren't made for the winter. These things are made and they're out there in these huge storms. And you know what they start, they, their mannerisms are crazy. You know, oh, there's a banana on the boat. <laughs> We're having bad luck. You're like, what? A banana? (laughs) You know, I seen another one on that. uh, What's the other one? I'm fest now. I watched Wicked Tuna. It's fun. I mean, these guys reel in these 700 some pound fish, you know, six, seven foot long. It's pretty. I've never caught a fish that big. I caught a sturgeon before, but never I caught this tuna that took me four and a half hours to reel in. You know what I mean? So you're like, uh, I want to see what this fish, holy smokes, that's a huge fish. Well, we're not catching any fish, so you know what you gotta do? You gotta cut your hair. <laughs> what? <laughs> Where's that in the book? You know what I mean? These superstitions. Baseball's got it. Baseball's probably the worst that I can think of. Don't shave your beard. We're going into the playoffs. <laughs> you know, look at the playoffs, I guarantee you. If you don't, if you don't, just watch them. And the, I mean, they got beards down here. You know what I mean? No, gotta wear my lucky glove. This is only when I go out in the third inning and I gotta have this glove. In case they hit me the ball. It's never, I've never not missed a ball when I caught it with this mitt, you know. Gotta have the, wear the same socks for a year. You know, I don't know, I'm just, you know what I mean? Superstitions! They calling unto the Lord, they were, and these, their own works and these traditions. Like Brother Mike said. Fairy tales. There's a banana on the boat. That's why we're having bad luck. What? No, there's sin on the boat. There's a guy named Jonah on the boat, and he's supposed to be right with the Lord, and he's running. You know, it's funny. Notice how, turn back over there, I apologize, the book of Jonah. Notice how none of these men are, are atheists anymore. Everyone cries to his God. You know, before a disaster, everybody's going to cry unto the Lord. They do it. I've heard it. You've heard it. Lost people crying unto him. Oh, you never hear him say, Oh, Joseph Smith, have you ever heard that in your life? 
Never. I've never heard, oh, Allah. Never. Never heard it. I might have, you might even, I'd even doubt you even here in Afghanistan. You never hear, what's that other guy? Buddha, yes, thank you. You never hear, oh, Buddha. I think of Buddha, you think of a big fat guy on a image, gold brass image or something, you know what I mean? Who in the world? Nothing. Just a lowercase g. False. I can't help you. But you know what somebody will say? They'll say, Jesus Christ. And depending on how you handle that. I know Rocco gave me that track when I cussed in front of him. And I don't like people taking the Lord's name in vain. Let's just get that straight right now. But when somebody says, Jesus Christ, you can go, where? He's coming back, you know. And if I'm right, I should have been gone if he already did. <laughs> you know, you know. He's coming back. Or you just call him on it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you wonder how come you don't ever I said that to one guy. I said, Hey, how come you nobody ever says Buddha? Nobody ever says Joseph Smith. And then the other guy, and he goes, I don't know. And I just went. I <laughs> don't think on it. You know, there's no power in those other names. Only power in the blood, shed blood of Jesus Christ. And that's what people need. Verse number five. Says, then the mariners were afraid and cried unto every, unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea. Guess their gods didn't answer their prayers. Reminds me of Elijah. I won't turn there for sake of time. But Elijah starts mocking him. Of course, that's not what Jonah does because Jonah's sleeping. You know what I mean? But but Elijah, he's like, what is your God, sleeping? So you guys cry a little bit louder. Maybe he's on a journey or peradventure he's sleeping and you got to wake him up. You know what I mean? It's, it's funny. but not when people are crying out for the Lord. Amen. I mean, we got the answer. But there's no answer here. Their hope is essentially sleeping in the bottom of a boat in the side of the ship. The efforts of these mariners is typical of men's efforts to solve their own problems. Like flying off a cliff in a in a car, you're like I'll just pop the trunk; it'll be like a parachute. <laughs> nope, I I don't think that's going to work, Bob. <laughs> I don't know why Bob's my go-to one, not just Bob. But <laughs> you're going to cry out to the Lord. Men are not willing to acknowledge the problem of sin that is hidden in their heart. Amen. The problem is one man's sin that's in the boat. That's the whole reason this whole storm is upon him. It's because of sin. Well, we can get like that. You can cast all you want. You can't just keep treating the symptoms. You got to get the sin out. You got to get that sin out of the boat. You got to cast your sin onto the Lord. You got to confess that. I like the First Peter five seven. We got that when we. Pastor, I love Pastor John Wagner up Prineville. Man, he he had we had all the kids up there, and he's doing a. We just do a he does a camp meeting up there. And he he brought all these old ruggedy old pallets up there. And then he had an illustration he was just doing with all the kids. And they took these nasty old ruggedy pallets and he turned them in little bookshelves that you could hold your Bibles in. And everybody got to choose a verse. And Silas, I don't remember, this was years ago. Silas chose a verse, it was 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. 
They turn that old ruggedy palate and turn that into something. People are like that. I was like that. Just a wretch, man. Like that song says, for such a worm as I. And we look out at people sometimes. You say, what's the Lord going to do for that worm? I don't know, where's your faith? Was you a worm? Or is you a Pharisee? Get my gut off on that one. Problem, sin, pride. Notice all the cargo became worthless at the thought that getting rid of it would save their lives. <laughs> Wasn't so important anymore. They just start throwing it out. That Bible says, skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. Like Brother Mike said this morning, we're going to turn to it. Turn to, uh, oh man, I didn't write it down. I think it was Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. Hold your place there in Jonah. I didn't know this until this morning, but it's actually kind of interesting that these little four verses has the word cast in it five times, and the book of Jonah also has uh, the word cast in it five times. But anyhow, it says, and he looked up, Luke chapter number 21 and verse number one, it says, and he looked up and saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. And he said, of a truth, I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. For all these have their abundance cast unto offerings, unto the offerings of God. But she of her penury hath cast in all the living that she had. I never realized that. She cast in all her living. Everything. Everything she had. These mariners right here in, in Jonah, you know what they're doing? They're casting out, they're casting out everything. Their whole livelihood depends on everything that's safe in this ship getting over to there so they can get some money, so they can go back home and feed their families or rent or whatever, insert whatever you want. And they're getting rid of it. You know why? Because they're about to die. And it's become real, real. Nope, I want to at least get home. I don't care about Johnny's stuff anymore and I don't care about this anymore and Amazon can go this way and UPS can go that way. And it's gone. They're getting rid of it. All them stuffs is not important anymore. Their life, their income, their housing, their job. They cared for nothing material anymore. Wealth or goods. They just wanted to stay alive. We we'll go to our first Timothy chapter six. I haven't heard this verse for a while, so. This speaks of what we set our hearts on. First Timothy chapter number six. And verse number six says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. You know what it is? It is certain. You ain't carrying nothing out. But there is what's called a judgment seat. And you will get some stuff back. Amen. All believers here today, there is going to be a judgment. What we do, how we've touched others, wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, precious stones, with what right heart we did it. I don't want to be like Jonah in the bottom of a ship or in the side of a ship sleeping. I got some stuff I could get rid of. I mean, look over there, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. You know what Paul said? 
I got to wonder too, and I, I got to thinking about this. I wonder if Paul was thinking of Jonah when he said that. He said, I don't want to be a castaway. Jonah, you know what Jonah was? He's a castaway. He said, throw me out of the ship. Cast me overboard. 1 Corinthians number, number 9. We're going to read this whole chapter. It's convicting. Verse number 1. Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are not ye my work in the Lord? If I be not an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am to you, for the seal of mine, for the seal of mine apostleship are ye in the Lord. Mine answer to them that do examine me is this. Have we not power to eat and to drink? Have we not power to lead about a sister or as a wife or as a well of the apostles and as the brethren of the Lord and Cephas? Or I only and Barnabas have we not power to forbear working? Who goeth the warfare any time at his own charge? Who planteth the vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Or who feedeth a flock and eateth not of the milk of the flock? Say are these things as a man? Or saith not the law the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox and treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care of, for the oxen? Or saith he it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope. And he that threshes in hope should be a partaker of this hope. You know, that's just... If you're going to give somebody something, hope you're, they're going to receive it. Amen? I mean, maybe Rocco didn't, but he said, man, maybe, maybe if I give this guy a track, maybe it'll do some good in his life. Am I just throwing the seeds out there? Or am I planting with some hope that God's going to bless this thing? Verse number 11, if he have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if he shall reap you carnal things? If others be partakers of this power over you, are, are not we rather? Nevertheless, have we not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. And here's where he starts getting meaty. Do ye not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait on the at the altar are partakers with the altar? Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. But I have used none of these things, neither have I written these things, that it should be so done unto me. For if it were better for me to die than that any man should make my glorying void. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if it's against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. What is my reward then? Verily that when I preach the gospel, I make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. Amen. Thank for, for some people like that that are just willing just to suck it up and deal with somebody. Not being, I'm a Jew in the eighth day, or circumcised the eighth day, and I'm better than everybody. But you know what? I'm just willing to go down and Lead somebody to the Lord. And of the Jews I became as a Jew that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law as under the law that I might gain them and under the law. To them that are without the law as without the law. Being not without the law to God but under the law to Christ. That I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak became I as weak that I might gain the weak. I have made all things to all men that I might gain all the means save some. Not all. Some. You're going to throw a lot of seeds out there. Not all of them are going to come up. But you've got to plow and hope. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be a partaker of with you. Amen. Know ye not that they which run a race run all but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. And nobody wants that. I'm going to be a castaway when I talk to people. Oh, that guy, he's just... 
You know, he goes to church every Sunday and he thinks he's better than everybody. Cast away. Get out of here. I don't want to listen to what you have to say. I heard one guy say, now it's actually pretty profound. People don't care what you know until they know that you care. I said, you know, you try to think if that's biblical or not. But there's got a verse over there in First Thessalonians. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were not willing to impart unto you the gospel of God only, but also our own souls because you were dear unto us. And he goes on to say, but I'm going to keep preaching the gospel because that's what I was called to do. But he also says, you know what? I love them. I cared for you. You care for those people. But Jonah was gone down in the side of the ship. You know, God intends to be a blessing and a help to others. It's times like this that people need to hear about God. I don't know if I want to go to that one. I'm going to skip that one. You think of Paul. I'll just tell it to you. Paul, when he was down there, before he got bit by that viper, Paul wasn't down in the side of the ship. That ship came crashing. He was a blessing to those people. And I'm turn there. Acts chapter 27. Just, we'll go through it quickly. I won't read the whole thing. Paul wasn't like that. He didn't want to be a castaway. He offered words of encouragement to these people. And because he did it, I think that Roman centurion saved his life for it. My opinion. It's not doctrine. Acts chapter 27. And in verse number 21. But after long, this is already in the ship. Well, in verse number 14, but not after long there arose against a tempestuous wind called Oroculodon. Right? You know when you're in a storm and they give it a name? <laughs> you're in a bad place. I was in a boat in Hurricane Katrina. You're like, whoa. You know what I mean? Hurricane, whatever, you know. If they give it a name, you're in a bad place. And it says, but after long, they're already gone. The third day, verse number 19, we cast out our hands, the tackling of the ship. Verse number 20, and when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. <laughs> Man, that's a bad place to be. That's kind of where these mariners are at. Except Jonah's down in the side of a ship sleeping. But Paul ain't. Paul says, you know what? I got a message. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them, verse 21, and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, for thou must brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all men to sail with thee. Therefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as he told me. <laughs> Amen. That's some hope. Now, this guy's getting persecuted because he's a Christian. Didn't you kill Christians? Now you're a Christian. Now you got to go before this guy and you're saying you believe God. Well, all right. <laughs> and it goes further. And they finally says, but when the 14th day was now come, verse 27, were driven down and radiant at midnight. The shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country and sounded and found it 20 fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they sounded again and found it 15 fathoms. Then fearing lest they would have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's scary. <laughs> they wished... And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, and when they had let down the boat into the sea under the color, as they would have cast anchors out of the foreship, Paul said unto the centurion and to the soldiers, Except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the fourteenth day that ye have tarried and continued fasting and have taken nothing. 
Wherefore I pray you take some meat for this. This is for your health and for there shall not an hair of fall from your head of any of you. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of all of them. I like that. He's going to be an encouragement. He's going to stand up as the only one in that ship that's got any confidence in God. He took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of all of them. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then were they all of good cheer, and they also took some meat. I mean, <laughs> they took confidence in that guy's confidence in God. They got their, that's where they got their joy. Make no mistake about it. And, you know, and they were all in the ship, 203 score and 16 souls. 276 people he's an encouragement to. He broke the bread, exhorts them. They become all of a good cheer. It's a message of hope. Unlike Jonah. Ain't going through a pity party. I get, you know what I mean? Ain't crying because he has to go through Caesar. Ain't wishing for the day that, you know, throw me overboard. You don't want to be a castaway. Jonah was gone down in the side of the ship and he was laid fast asleep. He's not exhorting. He went down physically and spiritually. The path of disobedience always leads downward. Always. You disobey your parents. You disobey the Lord. It's going to, you're going to go down. Downward. He's forgotten about the trouble he's brought upon himself and the others. And worse yet, he's ignoring it by just sleeping. And when he wakes up, it's going to be even worse. Amen. You didn't deal with it, buddy. The problem didn't go away. The man who knows God here is taking a nap while others are calling upon false gods. The man who knows God is taking a nap while others are lives are in danger. The man who knows God is taking a nap while others are casting all their belongings. And the man who knows God is taking a nap while others are living in total fear. And you look around at this world today, and these people are living in total fear. Especially if they're watching anything that comes out of that little yap box. There ain't no hope in that thing. None. If you can sleep and be unaffected by the cries of lost men around you, Somewhere you fled from the presence of God. And I don't want to go to sleep on the job. I don't want to go to sleep on the job. I mean, I think when I was down there, Joe Browns had this little kid. And this is a little kid, he's probably seven, eight years old. And he's this, uh, there was a baptism. He wanted to get baptized. And Joe says, Joe's explained to him baptism. And then so he says, you got to get saved first. So he comes over and, you know, he kept tugging on my, sh- tugging on my shirt. Because Joe said, go talk to Mike. So the little kid comes over and goes, I want to get saved. I want to get saved. I want to get saved. You know, I said, well, hold on. Joe's going to give a little thing here. And then Joe didn't, he kind of gave a little thing, but he kept going, I want to get saved. I want to get saved. I want to get saved. Sorry, right, buddy. Let's go. So we let him, went him in there and I went in there with, uh, Joe's daughter, Candace, Molly, excuse me, Molly. Me and Molly went in there, two of us together, tried to lead him to the Lord. It was a little difficult at first. So I brought in Jeanette. And Jeanette was able to go in there. She was older and she'd been leading the kids to the Lord for a long time. And she actually led that kid to the Lord. Amen. Some people just don't say, I mean, just because they're little. I'm not going to be a castaway. I'm not going to stand at the judgment seat. That kid was still pulling on your shirt, Mike. I'll give you this one little illustration. I'm done. A while ago, I, even sh- I showed Miss Sharon Gook and uh, there was this tree out back. 
one of these days I'm going to preach a sermon on that called The Horse Named Regret. And uh, they had a horse named Regret. And it died. And they planted this apple tree over it. But you know what happens? They plant that apple tree there and you know what happened? The thorns grew up. And the thorns grew up and they pulled that tree down. And I've showed you pictures of it. I'm going to get a, I'm going to get a poster of it made. I got to have it. I might even just, anyhow. But they pulled that apple tree down to where you couldn't even tell it was an apple tree. It looked like a stick, one of those stick bugs that was like eight foot long. It was just a branch going this way, a branch going that way. And it was just weird. But, you know, because we said, can we hunt your property? So they said, yeah. We, we, so we wanted to mow it down and clean up this area. They said, you know, just don't hurt our apple tree. So we go over there and I'm like, that's an apple tree? You know what I mean? Clipping around the stickers and then we mowed all around it. And you know what I did? I, I propped that thing up. Just an old tree. Never grew right. That old blind man, remember that? And Jesus spit him and said, I see men as trees. I like how Brother Mike said it today. He said, that's kind of scary. I never thought of it that way. It kind of is scary. <laughs> ah! You know what I mean? But that old tree just got stuck in those sticker bushes. So I helped it up, put a little post over here, and I trained it to, to, to be upright. But it never bore fruit. You know what was neat about that? I, I showed her the picture. The, only, the coolest thing about that is you know, where it, you know where the only growth came from that? From the new growth. New growth that came. It's almost like a picture of a man getting saved. And the new growth came out from down below the roots. The other leaves never even came up. This old tree that just stuck around in the, in the thorns too long. And the thorns grew up, choked it, and it became unfruitful. That's what Jesus said. <clears throat> so I digged it and I dunged it. I said, you know what? I'm going to do what the Lord said. I'm going to dig it and dung it. Got this thing propped up. Got a fence post over here. Got this line going through it, a ratchet strap. Trained it to grow upright. Picture of the Word of God. You know what? But I let it go, kind of go a little bit. You know what happened? That tree ended up dying. But you know what I noticed there? I just noticed this yesterday. That tree died upright. The stick came out and it still died upright. And I like that. I like that I can go out there and you can witness somebody, even in their older age, help them out as much as you want, but they're still going to die upright. Might not bear no fruit. Might be just fruit on your behalf and you get to be a partaker of that. But people just get caught up in them weeds, caught up in them thorns, like we do, like us do. But there's always somebody out there that needs that gospel. Somebody that just needs to come out them stickers. Somebody that just needs to die upright. Amen. That's the only way I'm dying upright is because the Lord. Somebody else trained me. That book trained me to walk upright. And there's preachers that taught me, you know what, you need to do this. Don't do that. Stay out the stickers. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Amen. I think we'll just stop right there. Amen. Does that make sense? Let's pray. Brother Dan, you close in prayer?